0: Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at Cullamunda.church? I have the privilege tonight of preaching, and um, we're, when is, we're in a series at church called Frequently Asked Questions at the moment, and um, we're going to preach in the dark. I love that. Um, but um, we're we're in a series called Frequently Asked Questions, and um, the idea is we we want the church to um to just simply ask questions that they don't know the answers to, and that they'd like us to explore. And um, we had a fantastic sermon this morning. Um, it'll go, the podcast will go up from Rod, Rod Thiele um, later in the week. Make sure you get onto that. But it's been a brilliant, brilliant sermon series. And um, I um I, I decided I'd reach out because we don't actually ha- we never have a set structure for what young adults is going to look like. We just we want God to move, and we just want to listen to what God's saying. And um. I asked some of the young adults um, what they might want a word on tonight, and um, somebody came back with the question of, what's the difference between earthly and godly wisdom? And uh, a couple with that is, is, and how do we grow in wisdom? So I thought that that's where we're going to start tonight. This, um, I liked, I was going to call it Wisdom 101, but it's actually Wisdom 101, 102, and 103, all combined into one. Um, but yeah, we're going to start. Is it all right if I uh, preach tonight? Oh, apparently three people think it's all right. Is it all right if I preach tonight? Yeah. Oh come on, all right. We're just gonna pray and then get into the word. Father, I pray tonight that it's not my word it's not my words that come out, but God, that it is yours. I pray that you would be glorified. And God, that uh, yeah, we might be able to get to the bottom a little bit of what it means to have wisdom and that we might grow in wisdom as young adults. And Amen. Did that cut out? It did. Awesome. Um, James, could you do me a favor and give me some water? Like my throat's about to die on us. So I I was thinking about the concept of wisdom, and I decided I wanted to do a bit of research into it because wisdom's a bit of a funny concept. It's a bit hard to explain what wisdom really is. It kind of seems like a bit pie in the sky. We know what a lack of wisdom looks like, but to actually have wisdom, what does it mean to have it? What does it mean? How do you get it? And what do people look like when they have wisdom? We all know the wise old sage, but can you be like, oh, thanks, Beck? Can you be like, can you have partial wisdom? Or can you like be growing in wisdom? And um, we all know there's some universally unwise things to do. Like if you threw a steak on the barbecue and then went for a drive, it would be unwise. Because when you came back, your house might be on fire. Um, It would also be very unwise to um, comment on your girlfriend's um, mother's bikini, saying that it looks really good on her. Oh gee, okay, it's a tough crowd tonight. That would be unwise. Um, It's also very unwise to lick an electric fence. and it's also very unwise to comment on your girlfriend's eyebrows, um, and that's where we're going to land. Um, don't just don't. It's not worth it. You you probably it's probably not going to turn out for the best. And this is a true story that I will never live down. Um, my now wife, I commented on her eyebrows, and um, I, I'll get to what I said. Um, my, my advice to all of all the people out there: if you have a girlfriend, do not just don't. And if you find yourself, it's coming out of your mouth, think before you say anything and avoid specific words like caterpillars, out of control, bushy, or the worst one is balding. Don't say balding. I didn't say these, but I um, I decided instead of commenting in a nice way, and I don't remember why, but family and friends were around, there are a lot of people that can attest to what I said. But I looked at Beck's eyebrows in front of people and just said, Beck, your eyebrows are so minimal not not petite or slender gorgeous refined no minimal and see there's there's a type of wisdom that comes with knowing when to shush and when to speak and we can all determine when somebody is not wise we know that we know the fools in our life those people we should not listen to the people we shouldn't go to for advice oh poor guy tom we will have prayer afterwards for that burn um we believe that the Holy Spirit can cure any burn. Um, anyway, but there's, um, it's, it's hard to define wisdom, but I want to give it my best shot tonight. Um, I hope I do justice to the person who asked this question. But um, the, I believe from, from the research I've done, there's three types of wisdom. And we're going to start. There's, there's earthly wisdom, then there's godly wisdom, and there's one more beyond that. And there's a few interpretations of godly wisdom that we're going to look at through Scripture. But the first type of wisdom is foundational or observational wisdom. Now this wisdom is um, accessible by all, whether you're a believer or not. And it it comes from understanding the natural order of things. That the earth and the world comes with processes, with natural laws, like the law of gravity. It is there, it is a constant, and it's not going to change. So wisdom is understanding that there are natural ways things happen, and being able to use that to actually to your benefit, to your gain. Um, So there are a lot of wise people in the world that are not Christians. And it's because they have this foundational observational wisdom. It, it actually comments on this type of wisdom in the Bible. In Proverbs 24, verse 30 to 34, it says, I went past the field of a sluggard, of on a of someone who had no wisdom. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come on you like a man. And scarcity, like an armed man. So this this is just commenting. Wisdom is actually understanding that there is a there is a smart way to do things, and there is a natural way that things progress and happen. If you don't keep on top of your garden or your farm and your gardening, then it's going to be a big job. Wisdom says, do a little bit every day. So me and Beck have a ridiculous garden that we have to keep on top of. If we don't, it's days and days on end of pulling weeds. So wisdom, foundational wisdom, is just recognizing. There's a natural order to the way things happen and you can use that to your benefit. You can use that to your gain and it is accessible by all. It can make people look extremely smart and um, it comes also coupled with knowledge. People with foundational wisdom can seem to be quite knowledgeable because they learn from their mistakes or the mistakes of others. But this is the first type of wisdom and we don't want to dwell here because I want to go beyond this. That's something that everybody will grow in as they just understand things and as they grow in understanding. But the the one I want to Land on today is godly wisdom. And see, godly wisdom actually recognizes that this world is broken and that there are flaws, there are inconsistencies in God's original design because when God designed it, it was perfect and not broken, and then sin entered the world. And since then, it is inconsistent. See, foundational wisdom says if I plant an apple seed, I'm going to get an apple tree. Or that if I step off the edge of the balcony and expect that gravity is not going to work, I would be a fool, I wouldn't be wise. Whereas godly wisdom recognizes that you can plant an apple tree, but you might get lemons. And I don't, mean, I don't mean physically. I mean, there is people who do amazing things in the world. There are people who, there is suffering despite people doing the right thing. And see, we can't trust what seems right because if somebody's doing the right thing, yet they're blamed for doing something evil. Somebody's doing the right thing, yet they are hurt, yet they're put over, raked over the coals. That's not right, and that's not the natural order of how things should happen because we're in a broken world and there are inconsistencies in this world. See, we can't trust anything that we think is sure, and godly wisdom recognizes the inconsistencies in this world and shows us that we need to walk humbly and closely with God because God alone can be trusted. See, Ecclesiastes, Job, and Proverbs are the wisdom writings of the Bible, and the the whole purpose is to actually explore the idea of wisdom, and Proverbs is about how to get wisdom or what wisdom looks like. And we're going to look at what actually Proverbs and what, what wisdom gets us, and Proverbs is going to explain that. But in Ecclesiastes, right at the end, in 12 verse 13, it says, Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind." Was there a spelling mistake up there? Yeah, cuz it's in my writing right here, so. But the wisest like the book on wisdom in the Bible, at the end of it it says, "You know what? After all this, the wisest thing that you can do is fear God." Now, when it talks about fear, it's not fear and trembling like you're scared of something. It is honoring and putting in the right place. To fear a king would be to put him in his right place and to say, "All right, you have rule." And I'm going to be subject to that rule. And that's what it means by fearing God. It means to put him in his rightful place as king of your life. See, godly wisdom is recognizing sureties are not consistent. And the only way around it is to focus on the only one outside of our laws, outside of the inconsistencies. And the consistencies, the God of heaven. See, when a friend is in a personal crisis, yet you're able to speak into it with such surety, having not been privy to any of the prior information, not knowing what's actually going in, yet you can speak into that with authority, being able to speak life, knowing what's going on without being told. That there is being intimate with the Father and Him downloading wisdom to give. See, that comes from intimacy. It sees the inconsistency when you have a family friend or just a friend in general, and their parents are prayer warriors, yet they are overcome by the devil. They are caught in addiction after addiction. Their life is down the drain. That doesn't make sense. Having prayer warrior parents and faithful believer parents means that there should be faithful kids. But the world is broken. There are inconsistencies in God's design because sin crept into this world. And recognizing their inconsistencies and then leaning on God for his understanding, that there is what godly wisdom looks like. But there's actually one better than godly wisdom, I believe. Shock, horror, and amazement. There is one further type of wisdom, I believe, and that is observed godly wisdom. And see, the person of Jesus is the embodiment of wisdom. See, it says in 1 Corinthians 1, 22 to 24, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greek, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. See, the wisest thing we can do is follow Jesus He teaches us how to be wise, how to live life well, how to live it skillfully. And we're going to come back to that word skillfully in just a moment. But we need to follow everything that he does. See, the same wisdom that is housed in the person of Jesus is housed within you. When you say yes to the Holy Spirit, when you say, yes, Jesus, you are king over my life, that same wisdom is accessible. So if we're going to learn to live like Jesus and to be wise like Jesus, it's already within you. It's just a matter of learning how to sit with it, how to dwell with it, and how to actually have that wisdom come out. Come on. Guys, are we young adults? I mean, I get more people say amen and actually respond at church. One person, oh my gosh, you guys need to like wake up a little bit. See, Luke 2 verse 52. This is something that I think we we get caught up on. Who here thinks you get wise when you get older? Yeah, chuck your head up. Okay, cool. You're wrong. Um, Luke 2 verse 52. So Jesus grew in wisdom. The embodiment of wisdom himself had to grow in wisdom. So Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all people. See, Jesus actually had to grow in wisdom. Now, I, I do just want to put this aside side note. The wisest people that you know in your life, right? If you just think about them for a moment and think about, The fact that their prayer life is probably one that's actually pretty fiery and they're pretty close to God because they prioritize their time with God. See, godly wisdom comes from intimacy with God and from learning from Jesus. That was just a side note anyway. But Jesus had to grow. And see, we tend to associate wisdom with age, but take encouragement that you can grow in wisdom now. And I want to say that the younger you are, the more valuable it is to grow in wisdom. And hence, every encouragement in Scripture is to get it and get it sooner rather than later. That's not to say it's not valuable when you're older. But Proverbs 4, verse 7 and 8 says, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. So we can't, as young adults, we should not be waiting till we're older, thinking that it's a cause and effect of oldness gets wisdom. No, get wisdom now. The Bible literally tells you again and again, get wisdom. It says, stay away from the foolish, pursue wisdom, pursue the wise. And it's not talking about when you're older, it's talking about now. So who wants to grow in a bit of wisdom today? Come on. So why do we want wisdom? Well, the book of Proverbs says that wisdom gives us seven things. And I'm going to say these, and if you want these later, you can come talk to me, but then I'm going to leave them alone. But it protects you, it prospers you, it promotes you, it preserves you, it empowers you, it fills your heart with peace and pleasure. So the first one, it promotes you. And just above in Proverbs 4, verse 7 and 8, what we just read, it says, Exalt her and she will promote you. So wisdom protects, prospers, promotes, preserves, empowers, fills your heart with peace and with pleasure. I mean, how many times does the word of God say, Stop keeping company with the foolish. Spend time with the wise. It's, it's countless. If you got your Bible out and start looking through and finding how many times I would still be preaching and you would still be looking for more when we finish. And hence, we need to start trying to get wisdom. So what is wisdom? We've looked at wisdom as the ability to see the inconsistencies in this world and speak through them. And there's the practical application of words of wisdom. But I actually believe a really good analogy and a really good way to see it is wisdom is like a shield. And it's not, it's not, a, inf- it's not a cure for the influence of the enemy, but it is a shield. It's a prevention method to keep your eyes on Jesus. Or probably better than a shield, it's an illuminator of the devil's schemes. See, wisdom gives you the ability to see the inconsistencies in the world and the way the devil is working before you get caught in his scheme. Because, did you know, the devil's schemes pay off. They distract us, take our allegiance, not because we're not strong. It's because you're not aware. And it's not—it's it's because you're not aware that you are caught in one of the devil's schemes until it is too late. He's already had it at play. And you're miles through the scheme, caught in an addiction, and you realize, where on earth did this come from? It's it's because the devil's not a brute. It doesn't allude to in the Bible. It says very clearly, he is like a thief in the night. He is crafty. See, the devil's schemes will be at play. You don't recognize you're caught in one until it's too late unless you have wisdom on your side. See, it illuminates the devil's schemes, recognizes the inconsistencies, and helps us to be able to navigate and put up our defenses before we're caught in what the enemy has for us. Because believe you me, he is coming for you, and he will come at you till the day you die. And wisdom helps us see it, put up our defenses, or put up our defenses for our loved ones. Come on. I'm preaching good. You guys are not responding the way that I'm preaching. See, but I think sometimes we still think that wisdom can be a little airy-fairy. It's an illuminator. What on earth does that mean? And it's hard to nail down. Hard to clarify what it is to, uh, to strive to achieve it. So I want to look at two interpretations. One in particular, but there are two interpretations of wisdom in the Bible, depending on whether you look at the Greek or the Hebrew. And so the Hebrew translation of wisdom is actually so close to the word skill that they are used interchangeably by theologians and translators. So wisdom and skill would be the same. So to live a wise life would be to live a skillful life. And I don't know about you, when I think about somebody living skillfully, they live well. So they do things right. If you're doing stuff with skill, you're doing it right. You're living well. So to live in wisdom is to live life well. And so if we're to live life well, I think it comes back to we need to be looking at the person of Jesus. So in a moment, we're going to look at how Jesus grew in wisdom so that we can start to live life well. But it's not a pie-in-the-sky concept that we can't understand. It's very practical. Wisdom is deeply practical in its application. I mean, we have words of wisdom, which is the ability to speak into a situation that you are not privy to and to be able to speak authority and life into that situation. Wisdom is deeply practical. It's not just... I mean, if you look at the Greek interpretation, that's the other interpretation. Wisdom is to do with philosophy. And, I mean, it should be, because philosophy literally means the love of wisdom. And we're not going to look at the philosophy side of wisdom because I believe that we need something practical we can take home today, am I right? And see, wisdom is deeply practical. See, it's a wise thing to not assume that you're great at things in life, right? People would know that. You you should never assume you're great at things. See, young men, myself included, assume that you'll be good at kissing because the mirror can attest to your greatness. (laughs) That is not the truth. Beck will attest. Every kid assumes... Yeah, my my first kiss sucked. Yeah, but anyway. Um, it's, 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 It's bad to assume that you'll be a millionaire. Every kid assumes it's easy to be a millionaire, but there are a few millionaires and a lot of people that are not millionaires. It's bad to assume that you are going to be good at something. I mean, it's also bad to assume you're going to be at escape rooms. And my family found this out the other day. We were humbled. We are dumb. Like, we could not, and you look back and you're like, it was so simple, but it was not, and we were terrible. Luke, we went back to that good escape room place, and we sucked. Which one did you do? Um, I don't know, the spacecraft one? Yeah. Did you get... No, we didn't finish. No, no, we didn't finish. We finished in, like, three seconds. Yeah, he's smart, I'm not. Anyway, it's also, it's, 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 you should never assume that just because your car is undercover in a carport, that it won't get pooped on. Because I kid you not, walking out to my car... I saw a bird fly under, bomb my car, and then fly off. (laughs) Like, how? I put it under a carport so you wouldn't poo on my car, yet, oh, a little. It's also bad to assume... That just because somebody's been at the gym for a long time, see, you need to practice in life. You need to practice things that you want to get good at. Just because you've been at the gym for a long time does not mean you're going to get good at it. I see oldies or people that are pretty riggy that have been there for ages, and the effectiveness of their workout is like somebody eating Smith's chips with a fork. It's stupid and useless. It just (laughs) doesn't doesn't make sense. See, because in life, you need to practice things that you want to get good at. So you can't assume with age you're going to get wise. Otherwise, you will never be wise. And I've met a lot of dumb old people in my life. A lot of people who do not have wisdom. I have had argument after argument with people all over Perth that just have no wisdom because they assume that they're wise. See, wisdom takes practice and it does take patience. So who wants to grow in a bit of wisdom today? Then let's look at the Prince of Peace, the physical embodiment of God's wisdom, the OG wisdom spitter himself, Jesus. So I talked about... Needing to, uh, to grow in wisdom and getting wisdom ASAP. Did you know that our Proverbs wasn't actually written? It, its audience, its demographic that it was aimed at was not the older generations. It was actually the ages of 20, 15 to 25. And that's because the authors of Proverbs recognized that this is the generation and this is the age bracket that need wisdom the most. Hopefully, when you've got a bit older, you've grown in wisdom See, Proverbs, the book of wisdom, aiming, teaching you how to get wisdom, telling you about what wisdom is, why you need to get it, was aimed at our age group, 15 to 25. So let that sink in for a moment. Gets you, get you some wisdom, yeah? So we're going to look at the person of Jesus. And um, I actually want to look at when he was a kid because when he was a man, I don't think he needed to grow in wisdom any longer. He's a physical embodiment of wisdom. So we're going to look at when Jesus was actually a boy. So Luke 2, verse 41 to 47. Now, I want you guys to read this intently because I guarantee tonight I'm gonna blow some of your minds because you've been reading this verse wrong your entire life. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him. Now, I just want to stop there. Um, There are a couple parents in the place. If you ever thought that you neglected your child, um, these guys neglected the son of God for four days. Like, you've got no problems here. (laughs) But they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding. Now, I just, I really, this this blew my mind when I read this the other day. It's taken me 23 years to recognize. Who else pictured that Jesus was sitting in the temple, teaching the teachers? Yeah, a couple of hands. Yeah, no, no, he was listening. At no point there was he actually teaching the teachers. So it says they were, they were amazed at his answers, but Jesus was never teaching. In that moment, he was postured to listen. He was postured to listen. See, just just before, no, it was just after this, it talks about that he needed, he he grew in wisdom. Oh yeah, you've been reading reading it wrong your whole life. Like, I had a Mickey D mind blower in the middle of a relief lesson, (laughs) but he was postured to listen. He was listening. Yes, they were astonished by his understanding, but he wasn't speaking. He wasn't teaching. So, there's three things that I want us to take away. So I just want to, I want to recap for just, just a moment. Wisdom, godly wisdom, is the ability to see the inconsistencies in the world and recognize when the enemy is at play to illuminate his schemes before you are caught in them. And the, there, there is a deeply practical element of it. It is about living well. Wise people live their life well. And See, when, if you have wisdom, there is also the practical application of words of wisdom, the gift of the Holy Spirit, where you will speak into things that you should not be able to speak into. As a 16-year-old boy, I spoke into people's lives who were struggling with addiction and struggling with mental illness when I should not have been able to. I had no ability. I had no understanding of what they were going through, yet God gave me wisdom to be able to speak into that. See, wisdom is deeply practical. But there's three things that we can do to grow in wisdom, looking at the person of Jesus just from this story. And so all we're actually going to focus on is the last 46 to 47. After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. The first thing we need to do to grow in godly wisdom is position yourself well. Jesus positioned himself where he would be fed and where he would grow. We need to be so careful who we let speak into our lives and who we let have influence over us. I want to go as far as to say, if somebody does not have a good biblical understanding and good scriptural authority, do not let them speak into your life. Simple as that. I know it's hard. It means probably most of your friends can't speak into your life. And the reason being is because they're not going to be able to speak and grow you in wisdom. Now, I know it's a little bit harsh, but... Psalm 1 verse 1 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand the way that sinners take stand or sit in the presence of the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. There are two things that you need to allow to speak into your life. Well, three. Spirit of God, people who actually have good scriptural authority and the word of God. See, we need to place ourselves at the feet of people who can speak life into us and who actually practice the gifts of the Spirit. If you've got someone who knows the Bible but doesn't know Jesus, they are not worth speaking into your life. They need to have a twofold relationship with the Word of God and the personhood of God. But what is influencing your life today? This is about to step on some toes. But is social media influencing your life? Is movies, well, this is the best one, is the promise of sex in your relationship influencing your decisions and your life? And I hope I'm stepping on some toes. If I'm stepping on your toes and you feel convicted, good. influence our lives. And I'd love some parenting maths. This is for, for some parents, but it's also for all of us. Um, if you put your child in front of the TV for three hours a week, we'll just go for three hours a week. Most of us do three hours a day. Um, two hours of YouTube a week and four hours of Xbox. Yet only bring your kids to church for one, to maybe one and a half hours a week or every two weeks. What is the biggest influence in their life? And then I want to flip that. Yet somehow we get this image in our life that we're not children, so that doesn't apply to us. And I want to say, bulldust, what's the biggest influence in your life? Now here's the challenge. Who spends more than five minutes a day in the Word? Good. Who spends more than an hour a day in the Word? Awesome. I love that. Oh, you, you, I love that. Listen to it. Okay. Who spends more than an hour at church? Okay, that's good. Now, if you pull out your phone right now and ask you to tell me how much screen time you've got on your phone, ooh, we're going to have some conviction in this place. See, unfortunately, the Bible isn't an exhaustive, revelatory tool that allows us to have all the questions and problems like answered in our life. See, it doesn't tell us everything, but it definitely tells us what we need to know. It's a revelatory tool of God's heart, mind, and will. And the Bible tells us position yourself in the Word every day. Now, King David, who was a very wise man. Now, it's debatable whether he or Solomon was wiser, but King David says, I have more understanding than all my teachers. I have more wisdom than all my teachers. For your testimonies are my meditation. I am wiser than my elders because I keep your precepts. David here is saying, I am wiser than my elders. I am wiser than the people trying to teach me because I meditate on your word day and night. I keep your precepts close to my heart. You wanna grow in wisdom? Position yourself and only allow influence from people who speak life and scriptural authority in your life and spend your time in the Word. The Word of God is where wisdom is. If you want to go on a bit of wisdom, read the whole of Proverbs tonight before you go to bed. It's going to be a late night. But I want to, one last little challenge on positioning yourself. Naturally, we gravitate towards people who struggle with the same things we do and have the same weaknesses because it's safety. It's protection, protection, safety, and numbers. But I want to challenge you. We need to gravitate towards people who are strong where we are weak and who will challenge us where we are struggling. If you want to grow in wisdom, it is painful. There's a Bible verse below, but I'm gonna I'm gonna read it now. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 11: The words of the wise are like cattle prods, painful but helpful. Position yourself well. Okay, come on. So, the second thing, first one is position yourself well. Second is shut up and listen. Wisdom is the reward you get from. This is I love this. Wisdom is the reward you get from listening when you would have preferred to speak. Wisdom is the reward you get from listening when you would have preferred to speak. See, Proverbs, the primary wisdom literature, repeats this phrase, Son, incline your ear, hear my instruction. And Proverbs twelve fifteen says, Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. And wisdom comes when we heed the words of instruction rather than having to heed the words of correction i say that again. Wisdom comes when we heed the words of instruction rather than having to heed the words of correction. And you want to be heeding the words of instruction? Spend your time in the Word. Know the instructions of God. Spend your time with people who will challenge you on where you're going wrong. And the last one that we've got. So the first one is position yourself well. You want to grow in wisdom. Position, Positioning is all important. The second is listen and the third is spend more time asking questions than giving opinions. If I could have the worship team join me, that would be fantastic. See, you can tell if someone is clever by their answers, but you can tell if they're wise by their questions. How hungry are you to grow in wisdom? See, when you get in the presence of successful people, whether it is in a ministry context, whether it's in a theological context, whether it's in an earthly context or business context, do you spend more trying to Time trying to dazzle them with your intellect or more time asking questions to grow in your wisdom. I want to challenge you today. If you spend more time trying to give opinions, then your wisdom is severely lacking. The wise ask questions. The wise want to know more about Jesus. The wise are the people who are filling that frequently asked question box because they want to know more about Jesus. They want to know more about God and what He says. James 1, verse 5 says, if you lack any wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. If you want to grow in wisdom today, position yourself well. I really hope that I challenged you. I love challenging people. That's that's always my goal whenever I preach. To be honest, I kind of don't like encouraging people. I want to challenge you so that you'll go and do something about it. If we feel encouraged, great, we'll go out and do the same thing. But I don't want us to leave today the same. And young adults, if you've been coasting and you've been letting your influence build up in things that are not of God, then tonight's the night where you need to make a change. And if you want to be able to illuminate the devil's schemes so you're not trapped in them, then we need to grow in godly wisdom and look at the person of Jesus. We need to position ourselves well. We need to listen when we want to speak. We need to ask questions. We we need to go deeper where you have questions. I absolutely love at Young Adult Grow Nights, you are all welcome this Tuesday, 7.30 at Beck and I's Place. Last time, we literally just went through two questions the entire night and just got the opportunity to speak, to grow, to gather, and to just question what life is about. See, I can't own this sermon with an altar call, saying, hey, come up the front if you want to get prayed for wisdom, because that would be completely contrary to everything I've just preached about. See, wisdom takes effort, positioning, listening, questioning, and intimacy with God. But intimacy with God is definitely something that I hope for each of your lives and that I'd love to pray for tonight.